Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly. We go there. Because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely unfiltered. 100%. Okay, let's go there. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome to We Go There. Today, we are interviewing Dr. Jordan Wiggins. She's a naturopathic doctor and self-proclaimed, listen to this one, women's sexual health disruptor. I love that so much. She is revolutionizing the way we deliver, educate, and talk about sexual health and pleasure. I don't know about you, Nikki, but I am so pumped about this conversation. So let's dive right in. Dr. Jordan, thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of your secrets and tips here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I just want to say I'm fangirling a little bit. Lexi, I am dying to go get a wax. Can we just open up? (laughs) Seriously. And Nikki, I have a seven-month-old at home. I did your um, prenatal, like your six-week program. It was lovely for birth prep. I absolutely loved it. And I was thinking about you in like while I was. Oh man, that's a, that's a huge compliment. Congratulations. So yeah, we are all in the thick of it. This is going to make this conversation so much better because let's talk like the whole postpartum libido thing is like a real thing. It's a real problem. (laughs) If I can say like postpartum mental health, body image, desire, it is pelvic pain. There's just so much that we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. So much. Okay, Nikki, where do you want to start? Okay, so Doc, (laughs) you talk about something called a pleasure mindset, and I love it. I don't have one. How do I get one? (laughs) Please help. (laughs) So pleasure mindset is something that I found underlies our lack of desire and the fact that one in two women suffers from sexual dysfunction. One in two? Mm-hmm. Wow. About, I mean, technically this, the research says 49%, but we're going to round up. So that's lacking desire for, for sex or intimacy at all. Like if you'd rather scroll Insta than be intimate yep. with your partner, mm-hmm. um, difficulty getting aroused and staying aroused. So you might be doing the to-do lists in mm-hmm. your head while you're being yeah. intimate, yeah. Um, pelvic pain, and difficulty with orgasming or not being able to orgasm. And that's one in two women globally. Wow. That that I can see. Like as you go through the list, it's like, okay, well, like how many boxes do you check? So if you, if you check one of those boxes, <laughs> yeah. you would fall into that that area, yeah. right? And if you check multiple boxes, it's sexual dysfunction times three. No, I'm, okay. I'm, <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. But that, but postpartum, how many, for example, like at that life stage, or I deal with a lot of women in the perimenopause, menopause transition, where things are going on with our hormones, with our bodies, and we can check multiple boxes. But yes, just to 
qualify just one of those four, you would qualify as having sexual dysfunction. So I think that one and two is actually underreported. That's major. That's major. And, and what I also find shocking is that, that we didn't know that and that there's not more people like you actually being these sexual health disruptors. So what do you find like women are coming to you and, or what, what comes up the most in terms of your conversations or what women are coming to you with? Um, It's they think there's something wrong with their hormones usually is why they come to me initially or like what's wrong with me that I'm broken because I don't want to be intimate and it's affecting my relationship. Um, Those are the two. And then the underlying piece that I find is there's always like, well, I can't orgasm or I can't stay in the moment or it hurts. So they're blaming it or they think it's their hormones or they think that there's something wrong with them that they don't want it as much as their partner does. Um, But then when we dig a little deeper, we find that it's, they have issues with, they check several or most of the other boxes. And what underlies that, to go back to your original question, is lacking that pleasure mindset, which is, if I had to sum it up, two things. Knowing that your pleasure is important and you deserve joy desire, intimacy in your life. Cause we're taught the opposite. Um, we live in a culture that like people think pleasure is a bad word. They have a visceral response sometimes to me saying that word to my posts on the internet. Um, my Facebook account gets shut down. What? Often. Yes. It's wild. They are so tight. Our South products, we can't like, we get our ads deleted all the time because they're an intimate product. Exactly. So I want to get the word out there. I want to help women and how it ends up happening is someone reaches out to me, works with me, and then they tell their friends, sisters, coworkers, but it's hard to get the message out in a big way on social when things are always getting shut down and my ads are censored and all that kind of stuff. So we need to know that eating like the toast crust on our kids' plate is is <laughs> oh not god. best analogy. Oh my god. I did that like, this morning. <laughs> always <Actually>. always <laughs> yeah, that dip it in a little peanut butter. <laughs> oh, how do you like it's like you literally have vision into my house. It's crazy. <laughs> So we need to know that it's like making ourselves the avocado toast with the runny egg and sprouts Mm -hmm. and hemp seeds on it, that if that's what we want, that that's pleasure. So the second thing is, is that it's not just about sex. Because I think people, they want to fix it in the bedroom, but they don't realize that when they're denying themselves pleasure and things that make them feel good in every other area of their life, they're not going to get turned on because we're just in the wrong state in our minds. So when we're 
overworked, we're overwhelmed, we're doing a million things on the run all the time, we're in the parasympathetic nervous state, which shuts down the pleasure centers in our brain. And they've researched this, they've done MRIs, and we can actually see that especially for women, we need to be in the parasympathetic nervous state. We need to be relaxed um, in order to receive the most pleasure, have orgasms, relax, Mm. that kind of thing. So we think pleasure is just about sex, but we have to shift our mindset around that to know that it's about not eating toast crust as much as it is about having really, really amazing orgasms. Yeah. Amen to that. Such good advice. I mean, it's such good way to allow women to wrap their minds around what pleasure really is. So what, so in, in part two of Nikki's question, how do we get one? (laughs) Spill it. So we start, and this is the, this is the crazy thing is it's like, this is a tap that's turned off. Cause I ask women that I work with, what do you do for yourself? What brings you pleasure? And I get met with blank stares, tears, or they answer about what brings other people pleasure with their kids, with their husbands. But when we make the frame of what brings you pleasure, they can't answer. So it's this tap that's like, turned off. It's like we've forgotten how to turn it on. We don't even have access to that anymore. So we think that we can go and just like turn it on like a fire hose, but that's not how I see it happening. It's almost like we need to let it drip first and turn it on slowly. So things like taking a bath with a glass of wine, a walk in the forest, taking time to feel like how does your favorite dress or pair of jeans feel on your skin? Just having these moments in the day, laughing with friends, maybe killing it in the boardroom, if that's your thing, like crushing it at business. Um, But taking these moments where we can kind of like let the pleasure drip out a bit. Um, And Another big one is just being around other women doing the same and being able to celebrate it. So it's kind of a nod to when Harry met Sally, um, that famous Mm -hmm. restaurant scene, when the woman says, I'll have what she's having. So what we do and the transformations that we can make when we can get women together and they can brag and share what they're doing for their pleasure and instead of having the attitude of like jealousy or like what the heck is wrong with her that she's you know relaxed and and joyful and sensual if we adopt the all have what she's having attitude then that turns on the tap and open the opens the floodgate so I find that it can't happen alone in in our silos, in our little box where we like to go, that it needs to happen um, with community. I love that so much. I often find that there's a competition on who's busier. And this is like completely counterproductive, right? Who, where did this come from? 
Like, I think exactly, that is exactly it, that we think that being busy or having the most to do or out momming each other, that that is somehow a badge of honor, but it leaves us pleasure starved for like for ourselves. And, and it's that, it's that balance. And women will say, you know, oh, well, being busy or doing all this stuff for my kids, it brings me joy. But then we go through the list of like, you know, can you orgasm? Can you have multiple orgasms? Do you want to have sex? Like we go through this whole list and I'm like, mm, no, like, no, it really, it doesn't bring you as much fulfillment as you think you it does. It's mm-hmm. almost like these things we've been conditioned to believe like motherhood as martyrdom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That the, those things that we've been conditioned to do is to do for others and help others and be this invisible support system for every single person. But who's our support system? Yeah, it's so true. And it's, it's something that needs to be, we need to be sharing those pleasure pieces of our life. I think as much as we're sharing, like, I'm grinding, I'm a boss, and I'm, you know, all of those things. And so how do we then go from, okay, so I'm, I'm starting to enjoy, like, you know, my walks and the things that, the places that I find pleasure and the little things to then the flowing of the tap and the multiple orgasms? How do we bridge that gap? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say that there's an easy path forward, but I... I wrote The Pink Canary about this, which is my book to help women go through this process. Yeah, you call it The Secret to Optimum Health for Women. So clearly we need you to tell us everything. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) I noticed a pattern with the women that I was treating and because I was, I went to school, became a naturopathic doctor and I was like, I'm going to fix everything with women's hormones and their libido. And I'm going to solve this problem that we have going on. And, but I realized that it was like the pleasure mindset underneath it all, our expectations of what it means to be mother, wife, daughter, to do for everyone else and put ourselves and our needs last. And I couldn't get people to, um, eat healthy or take the walks because it made them feel good because they were too busy doing for others. So, and then all these blocks kept coming up. So some of them, um, desire, what do you, what do you want? Like, what do you really want now in this moment? And I mean, desire just for you not desire for everyone around you that you care about because that's important but maybe even more important is what's going to make me happy and fulfilled and how can I model a life like that for my children where I'm not a martyr where you know I have stuff for me just because um because do we want to pass this way of thinking and being down to the next generation No. Nope. Nope. Absolutely not. So 
the big ones that I work through, it is, it's in my book, The Pink Canary, it's in the coaching programs that we do, but desire is one, communication is another. So how many people can communicate in every area of their life? They're married, they have two kids together, and then in the bedroom, it's like we're gagged, it's hard, like we can't speak our needs in the bedroom, Um, which is one fascinating thing that I need to check um, because I record like the data on the women that go through my program to see what impact we're actually making in what areas. And when they do the communication module and they can communicate in the bedroom, they get promoted, they get raises. (laughs) So it's like, really? Yeah. It's wait, like in their careers, in, in their careers, where yeah. I was like, what do you mean? Is this, an, is this a metaphor for sex? <laughs> Mickey, I went there first too. I was like, I was uh, like they get promoted in the bedroom. What does that mean? Funny. Okay, I've never been promoted it. in the bedroom. <laughs> I mean, okay. It's like power. They're owning their power essentially. Yes. Because yeah. when we're disconnected from the thing that makes us most feminine, like our, and, and we know this with pelvic floor pain and the birthing process, right? Nikki, like if women are just mm-hmm. yeah. disconnected from their vulvas, the birth process, their anatomy, then like they're going to struggle. But when we can give them language and power and agency over yeah. their body, what they want, their yes and their no, like more of this no, like that oh, doesn't God, feel yeah. great and do it in a way that is like empowering and connects you and your partner instead of making causing a fight (laughs) yeah then how easy is it to take control in a boardroom or at work 100 I was amazed at how many women in our prenatal class are saying I don't feel like I can advocate for myself they're so afraid to say I don't want to do it this way. I want to do it this other way, even though they've got all the data and all the evidence and all like the the studies. I'm like, here, if you have a hard time advocating, just throw these studies in your doctor's faces in a nice way and say like, no, I want to do what's based, you know, provided there's no emergency, whatever. We talk about it. I'm not going to get into it here, but there are ways that you can really advocate for yourself and feel good about what you're doing. And it's just the act of speaking your truth that can be so hard for so many women. It happened to me with my delivery. Um, my pl- Long story short, but I was going to have a home birth. We had the pool in the living room. It was all ready to go. My platelets dropped um, and I ended up at the hospital. And when I was pushing... There was my midwife, a student midwife, the nurse, the OB, and two student OBs in oh my God, partner. That's, that's a lot of people, girl. So I'm there and I'm pushing when I was doing a killer job, thanks to your <laughs> course. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was like, I was uncomfortable. And I was like, there's too many people in here. I feel uncomfortable. So that was my desire. Do you, th- oh, and did I say my doula? Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. So I wanted to ask some people to leave. Do you think I could? 
Mm-hmm. And I, and I was witnessing it and I was like coaching myself in this moment saying like, as I'm delivering a baby, you know, I want, there's too many people. I want to ask them. Yeah, get the fuck out. I, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like that's how you really felt. <laughs> that's how I felt. Do you think I could say it in that moment? No, I couldn't. And I, I mean, like it all worked out. Okay. But it was just a, one of those things that I witnessed, um, like watching myself where I had a need and in that moment, and I'm educated. I teach women how to speak up for themselves yeah. for a living. And that would, and I felt a lot of like guilt and shame over that one that I didn't advocate for myself, but we're taught from the time that we are little that our power is wrong. Our sexuality is wrong. Our bodies are wrong. Um, our needs are wrong. Don't have any, stay small, be a like low maintenance woman. Cause that's what a man wants. Be the cool girl. Don't have needs. Don't be whiny. Don't be bitchy. Like when can we just be ourselves and have it be okay? Um, so that's, that's what I do every day is we work on the desires, the communication and part three is, is worthiness where there's this thing that even when we know what we want, we know how to ask for it. Then we have to feel worthy enough to actually receive it. And you will be, I was amazed because I actually added this module to our program after. Cause I was like, we're done. We got this. And <laughs> then it's almost like my patients and clients were feeling bad that they were getting all these things mm. that they wanted. They were, their husband was making them coffee and bringing it to them in the morning. And then they were like, Ooh, like I'm lazy. And I'm, and then all that self-talk starts. And that's just a small example. Yeah. But we need to feel right about our desires, be able to ask for it and then feel worthy of the best sex ever or the promotions or, you know, worthy that it's okay that I wanted the doctors and other people to get the fuck out while I was delivering. (laughs) Totally. Totally. But I think the worthiness is such a big one because you could master communicating and you could say what you want, but if you're not willing to actually receive it truly and believe that you are worthy of receiving it, then it's still not going to be enjoyable. And I can see how that links directly to intimacy in the bedroom, right? Exactly. And then it's not enjoyable for both parties. And that's, we call it um, husband obligatory sex, for example, is a good example of this, where like you're having sex because you think you should, or it's been so long and you're like, oh God, I better just do this and get it over with. (laughs) Like this is common and this is okay if you do it. But that encounter, like when you're showing up in that encounter in your, in your head and you're thinking, okay, like I need to do laundry and I'm going to send this email. And like, you're just trying to get it over with, or you're faking, um, which again is very common. It's 
and first of all, I want to say that it is okay if you are doing this, like where you're at, wherever you're at on this journey is 110% okay. But we need to know, hey, like if I show up in this encounter in this way that I'm trying to get it over with, my partner, maybe they can't vocalize it or maybe they don't consciously know, but subconsciously they feel it. And then both people leave the encounter feeling unsatisfied. So an interesting point that I get asked a lot is like, how often should I be having sex to sort of insulate my relationship? Is it really about number or is it about having a satisfied like encounter that you both feel good leaving and then that leaves you filled up like connected for days. Like, you know, when you have that great sex and you just ride that high and those hormones for a few days, maybe it's been a while. (laughs) It's been a while for most women. Um, But that encounter, when you, when you're both there and you're present and you can ask for what you want in those moments and your partner can give it to you, you both leave feeling good. And sometimes you have sex less frequently because those encounters are so much more fulfilling for both parties. Whereas if you're doing the obligatory sex thing and then your partner leaves and they're kind of like, well, I want more. Like that wasn't really what I wanted either. It's such, I mean, it is incredible advice because I feel like just through media alone and TV shows and things that you're watching, it's like the number of days, like how many days of a, of the week do you have sex? And I think that that is such a really great, because if you're having that connection and both parties leaving feeling so satisfied, well, then maybe it isn't the number of days because you could have sex three days a week and it could suck. You could have sex once a week or every other week and it could be amazing, mind-blowing. It's such a great, like, I actually have not really heard it put that way. And I think it's a really, um, yeah, it's a really, really great way to put it. Mm -hmm. I agree. Totally. So what are your tips then in, is it working? Like, is it that pleasure mindset of like the communication piece, the like desire and, um, and the worthiness in actually reigniting that desire into your relationship or if I'm working on myself and then how do you incorporate that in with your partner in a way that is kind of organic and flows. So all of a sudden I'm, you know, you're not in the bedroom and you're like, I want this, I want that. And they're like, Whoa, who's this, who's this gal? (laughs) I love it. But who is this? Yeah. And the good part is, is that it, it's, it's like the tap. So it doesn't often happen like that. Like, we'll, we'll think it's going to go that way in our heads and be like pumped up. And then we like ask for one little thing or something. (laughs) I mean, Hey, if you can turn that tap on, go for it. Uh, Some tips that I find work universally is, and I get pushback on this one all the time, but scheduled intimacy dates. And I hear oh, it's not spontaneous. That's bullshit because when was sex ever spontaneous? Even when we first met and we had the new relationship energy and everything was exciting and new and we just couldn't get enough of each other, we were still picking the restaurant, you know, 
maybe getting a wax before. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> what picking out what we were going to wear. So texting in anticipation and all of these things kind of like fall by the wayside once we're in a relationship and we're in a rut. And by putting that time, by blocking it on your calendar and letting the anticipation build, making a plan, doing what you need to do, like maybe the kids need to be out of the house or whatever, whatever's going to work for you guys. And the intimacy dates aren't even necessarily for sex. They're for connecting again. Like phones are away in these dates. We're taking time to sit across from each other, look in each other's eyes, you know, go for a walk and hold hands. Like let's get out of that sympathetic nervous state and into the parasympathetic nervous state where we feel connected and relaxed because sometimes the tension's pretty high around sex and that kind of thing. So we need a little, a little time to let it flow. Second thing, and again, I get protests. I get men <laughs> commenting on my Instagram post that they are completely against this. My clients' husbands are completely against this, but we take penetrative sex off the table and we do this for <laughs> wow. uh, a month, six weeks, whatever the woman desires. So penetrations become the gold standard for sex, mm -hmm. for straight couples. There is so much more intimacy and things that we can explore. So it sounds super counterintuitive and women, when we bring this up and we actually work through how to implement it because men get mad, like partners get triggered by this because they want more sex. And then all of a sudden you're telling them, hang on a second, we're not going to have sex, but taking penetration off the table doesn't mean less intimacy, less orgasms. It just means taking the pressure off because if someone wants something and they've been like begging for it and you've been withholding it, just that whole dynamic is not sexy. <laughs> um, and if we can take that pressure off, give it a little room to explore, reconnect, you always end up having more penetrative sex afterwards. But the issue here is, and this is fundamental, and most women don't understand this, they feel like they're broken, but only a third of women reliably orgasm from penetrative sex. So if we were saying to our husbands, partners, like, hey, let's have sex. And that meant licking their elbow. There'd only be a small portion of men that could orgasm that way. And they probably studied Tantra and like perfected it. Um, so by men wanting to have sex and doing it in a way that is not most pleasurable for their partners, of course, they don't want to do it. Of course, they don't want to do it. So it's this whole unlearning of what we have been taught sex is, which is penis in vagina and then mutual orgasm as the goal. And looking, what else is there? What else turns me on? Because there's this misconception that women are 
less sexual. They want less sex as they get older, after kids, after um, menopause. It's just like, well, you just have to put up with it or something like some baloney that we get told. Um, women, when we figure out what they want and what turns them on, they will hunt it down. They will move <laughs> mountains to make sure that they can have the sex that they want to have, but we just don't know what it is. So removing penetration off the table gives a bit of room for women to explore more around like what pleasures them. Um, Mutual masturbation, for example. So again, we have like the word masturbation gets people. So we call it self-pleasure in the pleasure collective because that's just more easily digestible and accepted. Um, But that's something that you can you can see what turns your partner on. Your partner can see what turns you on. And, and this is also something super, super shocking. But where we start with women is like your internal, your desires. And if you don't know what turns you on and what kind of touch you like and that kind of thing, it's so much harder to start when you're also trying to communicate it to your partner and they bring their baggage and that kind of stuff. Cause let's face it, men are just as damaged by our sexual health education as we are. Cause they're taught that they're supposed to know how to please a woman. And if they have to ask, they're less than. So that's why they can get triggered when we're saying like, oh, that doesn't feel good, babe. Can you do this? Then they're like, what do you mean that everything I do didn't feel amazing and orgasmic like a porn? Um. (laughs) It's so true. Like, like how, because then you're, you know, someone with men, I think why women often don't ask is or re-guide or whatever is because of exactly that too, is we want to make sure everyone's good and everyone's happy and that's just in, in us. And so then to communicate something that isn't that, that you know might cause a little bit of a shock or cause your partner to feel less than is, is really challenging, I think, for women to, to do. Exactly. Fragile egos. Fragile egos. Fragile. Yeah. Oh, God. Over it. I'm so over it. Yeah. There's so much <laughs> ego in it. <laughs> it's, it's so true. And we need to, like that's and that so it's like like you just said Lexi it's the it's the worthiness thing really because it's like mm-hmm. oh well their desire and how they're gonna feel is more important than me and what I want and need but by denying ourselves that then we just end up never wanting to have sex and we've never given ourselves the permission to explore and figure that out so that's why I do what I do because we've been ordering the same item off the menu for our whole lives. And it's only works for a third of women. The rest of us are like trying to have sex in a way that doesn't feel the best. And because like, who says mutual masturbation isn't sex? Who says, um, you know, a back rub and like, 
maybe oral, maybe just like sitting and gazing in each other, like sitting cross-legged in front of each other, gazing into each other's eyes for five minutes. Like, why isn't that sex? But we only consider sex penis and vagina. And it's like, even if we had, um, maybe we had 10 minutes and our partner went down on us just because, not because of orgasm, not because it had to lead to penis and vagina, but just because we had a minute. Like, how much more sex would we have? How much more turn on would we have if we just reframed what our, what our idea of sex was? Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. And we want have- yeah, go Nikki. I know. So I wanted I to bring your up, mind brewing. I was like, wow. I do want to bring up um, because, and I, I know you can relate to because you have a seven month old, but there is an element that I'm experiencing of feeling overtouched with a nursing baby who is very much a boob baby. And it's like, I didn't have this with my daughter, whatever. It, it's just different this time. And he is constantly at, my body grabbing, wanting, you know, and I'm like, oh, I feel overtouched. So tell me a little bit about how you handle this. Cause I'm assuming I'm not the only one who's experienced this. Definitely not the only one. Um, I would start with what do you, what do you want? Time by myself. <laughs> And we don't I love that that was just like a pot. And I was like, oh, this is it. Like Nikki's going to now have mm-hmm. to answer this. <laughs> yeah. I want to, I, I want to go to a hotel room alone with a nice gla- bottle of wine and maybe have someone come do my nails and hang out with some girls. That's, but that hasn't happened in a really, really long time. <laughs> I know like with the restrictions and everything, it makes it so much, <laughs> much harder. So honoring Because when we deny ourselves that desire, Mm -hmm. then we're never going to like want to have sex or want to be touched more. We need to honor where we're at. And so usually I'll say like, maybe you need a two hour blackout period. You go have a bath, the robe, the wine, you Mm -hmm. put the candles around the bed. You make it feel like a hotel room. If that's the (laughs) best right now. Yeah. but we have to honor the need to not feel touched in order to want that again. Cause anytime we're denying our desires or we don't know where, what they are, um, we're just, we're disconnected from that pleasure. So start with the not being touched and, and know that that's okay mm-hmm. right now. Like, that's where you're at now in this moment. It's not going to be like that forever. Mm-hmm. So do like, what's the desire? How do I communicate it? And then how do I feel worthy enough to receive it? I love that. I am so excited at the idea of being alone for two hours and communicating my need to be alone for two hours and, and what that's going to look like and how I'm going to feel like I'm just envisioning it's so funny like instead of dreaming about sex I'm like and then I'm going to go in my car and play my favorite music and then I'm going to go for a walk and then I'm going to go have a bath and no one's going to talk to me it's going to be great (laughs) 
And you're not going to feel guilty at all. And you're just going to say that Dr. Jordan said, like, this is what you need to do. So you got to do it. Yeah. I say to blame me for the pleasure prescription (laughs) all the time. The pleasure prescription. (sighs) And I'll get that. I'll get the the message like my husband hates you right now, and I'm like, I know. Tell him, tell him that I want a personal text in a month from now, because yeah. then I'm all of a sudden his favorite person on the planet. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. You probably go through like the cycle. Well, everyone listening here, you've been granted the pleasure prescription <laughs> <laughs> here and now. There you go. Take some time for you hone into your desires because that's where it starts. And then your husband will think, or partner Mm. will think, Dr. Jordan, very soon. (laughs) So good. It's great. So any, and any last tips before we go that you want, you want to leave people with, I mean, the pleasure prescription is really good, (laughs) Um, but any, you've given so much, so many things that people can really, I think, apply in, in their day to day and try and get back to where or, or get to a new place that they want to be in terms of their uh, level of pleasure. Any last kind of takeaways for, for our listeners? I would love for everyone listening to know that you are not wrong. Your desires aren't wrong. And what we've been taught is amazing. So Thank simple. you so much. And could you, I'm sure everyone's going to be wondering where they can find you, follow you, all of those things. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Jordan Wiggins. Send me a DM if you have a question about this stuff. I was alone in this journey for seven or eight years before I figured it out with the pelvic pain, with like the whole bit. I didn't even know what a pelvic floor physio was. So I... I get it and I am happy to help myself or point you in the right direction of a professional that can. Um, And I have a community of over a thousand women. We chat about this stuff. We celebrate our brags and we can increase our desire and turn on like just by being there. So you can visit the pleasurecollective.com slash pleasure mindset bootcamp and join us there. I love it. All these women celebrating all their orgasms. Sounds <laughs> fantastic. It, it is. <laughs> or celebrating being alone, orgasm. celebrating going or for celebrating a walk alone. <laughs> and going for a walk and go, going for a drive with your favorite song on. Yeah. That's a pandemic brag. seriously seriously is I love it well thank you so much for coming on today and uh, sharing all of your knowledge and thank you for being this disruptor in this space because there's much more uh, of you needed out there so thanks Jordan thanks so much for having me Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.